ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Full Court Podcast presented to you by Enoch Lee and Angus Wong. We are at episode eight, eight full episodes, two full months of the Full Court Podcast. We're bringing it to you today. Um, little two late. Two whole months. Yes, sir. Eight bangers, though. All them bangers. Bangers. Another one coming. You already know. Uh, <clears throat> we recorded last night a pretty decent episode, but Angus's fucking audio was shit. And we have to re- we have to re-record, so we're coming to you a little later than usual, but we're still here. It took eight episodes finally for a technical difficulty, and it, this is coming from two guys who have no background in computers. So I say that's a win. That's a win. Oh, for sure, bro. It took this long to get some fucked up shit to happen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, we gotta make this quick because Angus is going to Cancun tomorrow or tonight. I'm going. No, tonight. My yeah. flight is tonight, tonight to Cancun. Yeah. So that boy got All a right. pack. Uh, we're going to make this short. Uh, not a whole lot happening in the NBA right now anyways, but uh, one thing that is in the middle of craziness uh, is in the name, March Madness. I've been watching a little bit. I yes, know, Madness indeed. Definitely Madness. Um, I know you guys have been watching a little bit, or hopefully you have. And if you have, you know how crazy this shit has been. So many upsets. Um I want to tell you a little about about the name March Madness. They didn't start using it um, for the NCAA level up until 1982. They started calling it March Madness. Yeah, a little history lesson. A little so history that way lesson. You, you guys, you guys can't say you, don't, you didn't learn anything today because you just learned that today. Yeah, 1982. I that's when they started using it. I don't know when they officially started calling it March Madness. But the funny thing is, and the crazy thing is to me is. If it if they started like calling it officially at like 1985 or whatever something close to there like for almost 30 40 years that name has it has lived up to its name every single year which is insane to me yeah like you can and I think this year it's even more when you see the teams are in the final four yeah not a lot of familiar names here for sure I mean UConn's a big name like before. I mean, before they went on like a fucking six-year absence of the the Final Four, Elite Eight, or whatever, uh, they were a pretty consistent team. But now you're seeing, yeah, a lot of upsets, and now you see four teams that you don't really see very often. Um, and like you said yesterday on the pod, that <laughs> they didn't get to hear it, but you said, you know, with single with single elimination uh, tournaments, crazy shit can happen. And as you've seen, like, you know. All it takes is for one of these top seeds to have a bad game, and they're out, just like that. And we have, we really have like three Cinderella teams in the Final Four. We have UConn, FAU, Miami, and SDSU. Now, San Diego State, this is their first Final Four in school history, and it's probably the same for Florida Atlantic. I'm pretty sure they just converted from D2, or is that the other school, the school that beat Purdue? I'm not sure, but with, the point is that FAU, this is our first time in the Final Four, and that you, you you like to see these mid-major schools come through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, FAU, when you watch them play, this team, like, they are, they look confident. They look like they should be there. Like, they don't, they don't feel like they don't belong. Um, they beat some real tough teams, uh, beat Kansas State, who a lot of people – had going to the at least the final four and definitely beating FAU. Um, but they beat them by three. 
It was a really good game. They beat Tennessee, who uh, Tennessee had beaten uh, Duke. Um, yeah, and they beat that team. But t- Tennessee is always always a disappointing story every year. I feel I I've been saying that Tennessee is going to come out as a champion every single year for like the past three years, and they don't even get they don't even get to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, fucking shame. Um, but but yeah, uh, let's. You got San Diego State FAU playing on the first of April. And then uh, on the same day, you got Miami playing against UConn, which I'm very excited to watch. I hope I get to watch this whole game. You got two fucking shooters. You got um, number 24. I forgot his last name. I think it's Parks or something. Banks. Something like that. Um, on Miami? Yeah, on Miami. But he can shoot. And I think uh, I, if you haven't paying attention at this point, you know who Jordan Hawkins is of UConn. That boy got yeah. strap. The main difference between these two shooters is I think Jordan Hawkins is a little older. Um, and Jordan Hawkins has a high release point. And with the high release point, mm-hmm. um, you're able to shoot more contested shots. And you see it a lot when you watch UConn play. They run a lot of tough plays for Jordan Hawkins. And he'll catch and shoot with a defender in his face. And he's able to rise up and get a shot off. A pretty clean look. People are saying he has the purest stroke in college basketball right now and i fucking agree when you look at this miami guy he can shoot the lights out too but with him he has a lower release point allowing him to have deeper range but not really able to hit these in your face type shots that jordan hawkins is but i think if both of these guys um i have to get this guy's name right i'm sorry hold up let me get his name quick nigel pack for miami nigel pack thank you Uh, both of these guys can shoot, but I think Jordan Hawkins, if you're a better, you got to put money on him. Because uh, Nigel Park had a really bad game when they played, uh, who did they play? Um, Texas. Texas. He had a really bad game to play Texas. They still pulled it out. but um, And Miami got a, got some depth. They got Isaiah Wong, who's like fucking 28. I don't know how old he is, but yeah, he, I, I feel I'm like. Yeah, I his high school mixtapes like 10 years ago. Yeah, right? Like this guy. I mean, with the whole COVID stuff, you get a, a bunch of players got like a couple more years of eligibility. Uh, so you're seeing these older guys, these super, super, super seniors. Um, but Miami, Miami got some depth. But with this UConn team, you got to look out for this team. Like they have, they have, they have height. They have confidence. Their coach believes in them. I really like their coach. They're well coached team, and um, I have them going all the way in winning the whole thing. I I have to agree with you. I mean, you have to look at the way that UConn, I mean, UConn played against Arkansas, only holding them at 65 points, and then in the next round against Gonzaga, held in a 54 point. Absolutely. Now we know that him. Gonzaga, Gonzaga and Arkansas are absolutely loaded yep. in terms of talent, and to only hold them to 65 points while scoring 88 themselves, that's that's insane. And then from Miami's side, Miami has scored 88 against Texas, mm-hmm. and then they scored 89 against Houston. Houston's not the best defensive team, but they were able to outshoot Houston, which is which is a pretty big deal because we know Houston is a big three-point shooting team. That was the game against Houston, and there and the Houston is a number one seed. Um, so that was a big game yeah. for them. But that was the I had game. Houston going all the way. Yeah, but that was the game that I saw that Nigel Pack. I was like. Oh my God! He hit a couple of shots that were damn near at half court, and it's just he went seven for ten from three, 
He missed four shots and he had 26 points. That game, if he has one of those games against UConn, I could see them winning the game. But that's the thing. You, if you know that a guy like that can hurt you, they're going to be on the scouting report. And Jordan Hawkins is going to be on the scouting report. So it's going to be interesting to see who catches fire and who can maintain that throughout the game. But I, like I said, I got my money on Jordan Hawkins. I think just when the when the defense is that, you know, absorbed with trying to contain you, you're going to get a lot less open shots. No matter how far you step back, you're going to get less open shots. And Jordan Hawkins has the tools to hit tough shots in tough clutch situations. And I think that would be the main difference. Also, <clears throat> hitting tough shots. Hitting tough shots. And I also think that uh, they got a lot of length. They got two Real big guys. They got a seven-footer that comes off the bench for UConn. And then they got uh, this guy named Andre Jackson, who is who is no joke. This kid can play. He can't really shoot, but he can do everything else. He can play defense. He can pass. He can dribble. He can drive. He can dunk. He he, he, he got the whole package. But, um, yeah, I got, I, got, I got UConn. And then I got on the other end, um, I don't know if you agree with this, but I got FAU beating San Diego State. And, and I think it's going to be a close yeah. game, but I think, I think that FAU got that game. That's a real Cinderella story, um, but San Diego State, what a, what a tough gritty win against Creighton for sure. I mean, some someone would disagree against that foul call, but they were able to compete with a, one of the teams that were projected to be in the Final Four. Creighton, Creighton had a pretty dominant season, and they were able to topple them and get into the Final Four. Now, I would I would say that the hardest part for San Diego State is done. Like I think Florida. FAU is on the same level as San Diego State in terms of shooting, in terms of personnel. But it I, I just want to know what like why why do you think FAU is such an easy, easy pick over San Diego State? I don't think it's an easy pick, but when I watch mm-hmm. FAU play, I think it I think it can go both ways. Um but I think when it comes to shooting and it's been a it's been a big theme when it comes to these top four teams. Who can catch fire at the end and who can maintain that shooting throughout the game? You've seen it with UConn, you've seen it with Miami, uh, you've seen it with FAU. And FAU just has, in my opinion, more confident shooters than San Diego State. I think San Diego State is more of a, a grit and grind team. Uh they can f- out uh they can they could be more physical than you, tire you out. Um, that's you saw the Creighton game it was a low scoring game. You know it was back and forth. Yeah. Um, uh, and and San Diego State, the biggest difference was their depth. And Creighton, you had like six guys scoring the entire game, and the rest you didn't get anything else from out of any of them. At San Diego State has eight guys that can legitimately cont- contribute to a win. Um, but when it comes to FAU, man, you got four dudes that can really fucking shoot the ball. And I don't know their names. I'm sorry. But when I watch them, I see four different dudes, you know, confident as fuck. And you're like, man, who the fuck is this guy? This guy looks like he's been in the spotlight for a while. But you know they're not. You know FAU hasn't been in the st- spotlight. Yeah. So to see confident shooters like that, to perform at the biggest stage, the biggest, you know, the biggest moment of their careers by far and to still be able to shoot it says a lot and i think that if fau is able to um if two or three of those guys is able to shoot throughout the entire game you have a really good chance of winning if san diego state 
is more physical than you and you can't get anything going, then yeah, it's going to be a, a tough game. But there's a thing, bro. If you consistently score twos, that's one thing. But if you go on a, like an 0-5 streak, but right after that 0-5 mm-hmm. streak, you hit five straight threes, you're right back in the game. And that's what that's where FAU has San Diego State, in my opinion. They have that streakiness. But I think I think San Diego State's defense is legit. They it is held legit. Brandon Miller to three of three of nineteen shooting, and then they held the entire Alabama team to sixty four points. Um, pretty low shooting, but you know it's college basketball; they're all going to shoot low percentages. But I'm really encouraged by San Diego State, and like they play a te- team brand of defense, but FAU also plays a team brand of offense. So at the end of the day. I think this is just classic. Do you think that defense wins championships? And that's why I, I think San Diego State's going to beat FAU. Mm. It's, it's a valid argument for sure. Because when you look at San Diego State, this team looks very confident. This team looks very um, poised and um, ready to make a move. But they cannot take this FAU team lightly. And if they do, mm-hmm. it will be over for them very fast. I, will not, I would not I, I be think... surprised. I would not be surprised if San Diego State wins. But it would probably be by five or less points. But I would not also be surprised if FAU blows them out the building. If they win by 20, I wouldn't be surprised either or. I could see both happening. And I could also see, I think, which is the most likely to happen, a very close game where FAU barely beats them. Um, that's my that's my take. But I think, in my opinion, FAU wins. They go on to play UConn in the national championship. And UConn... Um, UConn beats them. Yeah, but I, I think we can both agree on UConn winning the national championship, but... Which um, is crazy, because they were nobody. I, they they were they were nobody, but I think Big East basketball is back. Like, yeah. Creighton was almost in the Final Four. Yeah. And if if Creighton was in there, it would be two Big East teams, but... Well, Nemhart's UConn, leaving. UConn gotta, is putting Big East back. Oh, yeah, Nemhart. You gotta yeah. think Nemhart's out of there. He's, he's going to the league. He could have been in the league last year, but... Um, mm-hmm. He stayed the extra year. He had a great season again this year. Yeah, so that's definitely gonna right cause his stock, cause his stock to ride. But like, speaking of madness in March, so out of the two million brackets that were submitted, only thirty-seven had this final four. There and there's no there was like no perfect brackets like last week. Yeah, there's no yeah, but like. How did 37 people have think FAU? That FAU would make it to the final four? <laughs> Seriously, or bro. Miami? Seriously, bro. That's I, I, insane. Yeah. Or or San Diego State. San Diego State. It's not even in a Power Six conference. They're in the Mountain West. That's crazy. Those were the 37 I, people I, that made like seven brackets each. Had to. There's no. They they must have tried every possible combination. Facts. <laughs> okay, but what about did you did you see? Some some of the games on the women's side of the tournament. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Um, yeah, so uh, the March Madness is still going on for the women's basketball too. They finally have their Final Four. LSU just beat Miami yesterday. Um, Iowa beat um, fuck, I forgot who they played, but Iowa beat Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Louisville. So it was uh, it was a little duo between um, one of my. F- I also respect who is Haley Van Lith and um, versus uh, Caitlin Clark. If you guys don't know who the fuck Caitlin Clark is, it's time to wake you the fuck up. 
It's time to wake the fuck up. Better know now. That's a household name. She's a junior. Um, Iowa, Iowa State. Is Iowa State or Iowa? Whatever. What she plays for Iowa. Um, yeah, Iowa. And she, this her junior year. She's averaging twenty-seven points. I think it's like nine assists. Oh, I got it right here. Seven rebounds, nine assists a game, shooting forty-seven percent from the field. Yeah, third, she's third in points. She's third in points. She's first in assists, and she's and she's a guard. She's a six-foot guard and averages seven rebounds a game, shooting almost fifty percent from the field. Okay, yesterday she had a forty-point triple double. 40-point triple-double. Never been done in NCAA history, men's or women's. And when I tell you, man, the type of shot she makes, bro, it reminds me of Trey Young in college. It reminds me of Trey Young in college. She makes these ridiculous-ass shots. Like, fucking ridiculous, man. It's, it's, It's insane. No space. She has a high release point. Uh, it's quick as hell, man. There was a shot where she's just standing at the NBA three-point line, probably farther than the NBA three-point line. Like, damn near, she ha- she can shoot half-court range. Like, that's her range. Um, And the defender has her hand halfway up because she's damn near at half-court. So she's like, uh, this girl isn't going to pull it. And because her hand is halfway up, for Caitlin Clark, her hand is halfway down. And because her hand was halfway down, she pulls up from damn near half court, splashes it in her face. I think it was like her 36 point. And uh, the defender's like, what the fuck? Like, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. It's like she doesn't miss. She's been been doing this since her freshman year. Her freshman year at Iowa, she was averaging 26.6 points, 7 assists, and 6 rebounds. Yep. And 1.3 steals. And she was shooting an even better percentage at 40%. Like I, I, I think that the WNBA um didn't have such strict rules on eligibility after college. She would she would for sure be a one and done. It's it's a shame, bro. It's a shame. You got players that should be in the WNBA right now, uh, but they have to wait. And it's kinda like why? Um when you got when, there's this girl in Sierra Canyon right now that she's gonna be a fucking problem and she's gonna have to play four years in college before she can make it to the, the league. And you get and you got girls that you forget about because they're in college for so long and it mm-hmm. sucks. It sucks. It really does. Um, at the same time, I can't be a hypocrite and say I would go to a girls basketball game, but if Caitlin Clark makes a league, I might go to a game, bro. I'm, I, I swear. Might go to a game. I might go to a game, whatever team she gets drafted on. I promise you she's going to be the star of that team right away, right away. It's going to be like a fucking LeBron esque thing. I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> Uh, do you think she's going to be better than Sabrina? This girl reminds me of Diana Taurasi and Suber. Diana Taurasi. And Suber. And Suber. Put together. All right. But she's taller. Right now on the WNBA, Sabrina, Sabrina Ionescu is the next big thing. Sabrina's good. Do you think good. that Caitlin Clark can, can be the face of the WNBA? Easily. Sabrina's good. I watched her play at Oregon. Uh, I watched her play at Oregon. She's a fucking dog. She's tough. She can score. She got the whole package. But she don't got range like Caitlin Clark. She don't got range. range. I don't know any. I have never seen a girl with more range than Caitlin Clark. Diana Taurasi is up there. But, oh, my God. And you got to respect the elders. You got to respect the people that laid the foundation for you. But Caitlin Clark, man, 
She's going to be a household name. She got Mariah Carey range. Oh, it's ridiculous. She's, she scored or assisted on 72 <laughs> points yesterday. Sorry, 70 points. 70 points she scored or assisted on. Out of 97. Out of 97, bro. Out of 97. And they... And, they, and that's, they, a, that's they, a high-scoring game. They ran over Louisville. Ran over Louisville. 97-83 for a college game. A women's college game. That's They definitely ran up the numbers there. If you can't tell by now, I am a Caitlin Clark fan. I've been a Caitlin Clark fan for a minute when I think a couple years ago she was hitting fucking uh, logo threes in the pink jerseys. Uh, I know those clips went viral. I'm sure some of you guys have seen it, but it's just, whoo, man! I don't want to play her if I'm if I'm a, if I'm fucking in the NCAA tournament for women's right now. Like she's younger than us. She's yeah. younger than us, Enoch. And and that's crazy. She is a fucking dog. She loves to win. You know what the first thing she did? Mm-hmm. So her coach subs her out. Twenty seconds left in the game. Right, you know, you know, get a standing ovation. You know what she does the second the buzzer goes? She runs to her Love teammate me. that has the ball and just literally ignores her, just like, give me the ball. She runs straight to the game ball and just says, Give me the ball. <laughs> and then she goes to celebrate with her teammates. Like that's like I love it. I love it, bro. I love it, man. This girl doesn't care about anything else but winning. And it's like her usage rate on that team is like eighty something percent. The whole offense runs through her. And she's a, she's a defender too. She had oh. a couple of steals. She is, and she's big, bro. She's six foot. She's six fast. She's fast. She can finish. She can shoot. She can hit the midi. She can pass. Watch Caitlin Clark, y'all. You will not be disappointed. Um, sorry, I just want a little spiel there, bro. I had to. I had to. We actually, when we recorded last night, I forgot to bring up Caitlin Clark. And thank you, Angus, for reminding me, bro. Yeah, I had to. Because we are the full court. We want to cover the full court, all 94 feet. You got to give these women game, some love, man. I know LSU's doing their thing. They just beat uh, Miami yesterday, who was on a hot streak, being taking down some tough opponents. But LSU looks good, man. I don't know if Iowa could beat LSU, but I really hope they do. Because if if I, if Iowa beats LSU in the national championship, because I think that if they do match up, it will be in the national championship. If Iowa beats LSU... Everyone's gonna know who the fuck Caitlin Clark is. If not, everyone already doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caitlin Clark going number one overall. Has to be, bro. Or or Angel Reese from LSU. One of those two. But I think. But I think I would take Caitlin Clark. But she still has a year left to fucking be in college, which is stupid, bro. Stupid. Yeah, she's definitely NBA ready. She's been NBA ready since high school. <laughs> she's stronger than she looks too but uh let's move on to the nba bro because um, yeah 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 um uh there's some about the big dog yeah there's some rumors going around uh damian lillard on the trading block i i i like this all right shams reported out that damian lillard is being shut down for the rest of the season because of his calf injury and this the really seems injury. like the last the marks. last season that Dame will be in a Portland jersey. Like, the Trailblazers are considering it. Like, that that's a conversation that has to be had because I don't see how the Trailblazers can improve their roster without trading away Damian Lillard. They have a lot of young pieces. Shaden Sharp has shown a lot of potential. Uh, Anthony Simons is on a max contract, but he's still super young. So, 
the Blazers are in a tough spot because they're out of the play-in, and Damian Lillard just had one of the best season of his career. Yeah, he had a crazy season. That went unnoticed because his team wasn't winning. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the fuck they were doing at the deadline, getting rid of Josh Hart. Um, I, I really couldn't explain to you. We're, we're talking about they, they got rid of Josh Hart for your favorite player, Cam Reddish. Shut the fuck. <laughs> Cam Reddish, isn't he the next coming? No, of, um, bro. Honestly, the more I watch Cam Reddish, the more I'm like, ah, this guy don't really got it, man. I, I, I understand that, like, it's like he shoots just every shot that he's open. He just, and not even open. Every time he gets the ball, he just looks to score. And it's like, yeah, it's cool. But, like, bro, you have the the body to be one of the best wing defenders in the league. And you just don't buy in on mm-hmm. that side. And if you did, you would still be on the Knicks and you would be getting 30 minutes a night. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, for a guy. If he did, then he would, he would still be on the Hawks. That's right? true. He would be a lethal Lethal wing combo with the under hunter. That's true. And it's just when you look at a guy that's that young, that athletic, that long, you have no excuse but to be a great defender. You know what I mean? Like you you mm-hmm. if you're not a good defender, it's just that's on you. It, you. Like you're just not you don't you're not willing to put in the effort to be that guy. Um but, but if Jeremy Grant can teach if, him a couple things or two, like yeah. But uh, but as as with this Dane trade talk goes He's been on the trading block, or at least in the news, or the rumors of being traded for a couple years now. Um, yeah, but he doesn't want to run away from the grind. Yeah, but we just want to see Damian Lillard compete at the highest level. But he did say, like, "Why is that so hard?" He did say the grass isn't always greener on the other side, and you you see it a lot with you know Kyrie. Uh, you know Kevin Durant got lucky, but I mean Harden. Uh, fucking Ben Simmons. I mean, just all these guys that are just so unhappy and they just leave without really trying to make it. He's, he's not unhappy. <clears throat> he's not unhappy. He just I, wants to win. That's the one thing. And I think this Blazers team is kind of on a crossroads where they got all these young guys and they got this old guy in Dame. He's not old, but you got this guy in Dame. And and they got so much salary. Like, their, their, their contracts are filled up. I, I just like don't... They're playing Nurkic... They're paying Grant. They're paying Simons. I think the one knock then, I have on Dame is, yeah. and as much as I love Damian Lillard, it's you need him to get going, right? Because if he's mm-hmm. not going, if he's not going, he's going to take twenty shots still, and he's going to go five for twenty, and then it's like, okay, well, it's just we just lost the game, right? So you need him to get going. But when he's not, when he doesn't come out the gates shooting crazy, and even when he does come out the gate shooting crazy, he go on these spurts. Well, he'll take eight straight possessions for himself, and regardless of whether he scores on all eight of those possessions, that's eight possessions where your teammates don't get a shot up. And then when you need your teammates there, after their double, triple teaming Dame, none of them are warm. And now it's like you expect these guys to hit these shots when it's like. I haven't taken a shot in fucking 12 possessions, five minutes. You know what I mean? And, like, you want me to hit a shot when I'm just not involved in the flow of the offense. That's the one knock I have against Dame, uh, which I don't know how to really fix that issue. You know, I think you need a really solid number two guy. Uh, And Simon's... No. No? (laughs) I think, speaking of number two, I think that Damian Lillard should be the number two. If he really wants to win a championship, all right. Behind, behind a what type? Behind what type of player? Behind a wing, 
He's never played a, with a good two-way wing. Imagine him. All right, this is my dark horse to get Damian Lillard this summer. I think the Clippers have a good chance of getting Damian Lillard this summer. Mm. They have tradable contracts. They have, I'm not sure they have draft picks, but they have Brandon Boston and Terrence Mann, who are good young assets, depending on which direction that the Blazers want to go. But uh, Terrence Mann and Brandon Boston, they're in the same age range as Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp. Okay, so what? Uh, in, let's entertain this idea. What if the Blazers get Wemby? Mm-hmm. <sighs> should they trade it? You think? I'm asking you. you what think what they should they do? If the Blazers get the first overall pick, they would be foolish to not tear it down. Really? I think. So I you're think saying? They would so you're basically saying Wemby isn't ready. They, no, Wemby's not ready. No, no one is ready to perform like that. All right, that pressure. It will be unfair. I think when you draft a franchise player like that, then you have to give them the keys. But why do you have to do that? Like, you look at Keegan Murray. Uh, like, why can't Dame still be that number one guy and make things easier for a guy like Wemby? Well, he's older. Dame is in his 30s. He was a four-year college player. He's He's in his mid-30s. He's in the middle of his prime. And Wemby's not ready to compete right now. No, a lot of a lot of these um, rookies, they're not ready to compete at a playoff-level competition. But how do you know? All right, so... You, but you don't know. That's just a trend. Because that's Keegan how you know. is going to perform in the playoffs. I'll tell you that. Yeah, but he's not tasked with being a number two option. He's really the fourth or fifth option. But you look, at the, you look at the Blazers roster, and they got Jeremy Grant. They got... Who who's gonna be a free agent this summer? And you don't think he'll resign? I think. Well, would you? Do you think Jeremy Grant will resign after a failure of a season, like not even sniffing the play in? I don't. know. It's tough to say. It's it's it really depends yeah. on how much he likes playing with Dame. And I just think that the plays the Blazers have already peaked. They peaked in 2019 when they went to the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors and got swept. And that team wasn't that good though. They just Dame was on that the That team wasn't tear. good at all. That team wasn't good at all. But guess what? They paid the players that were on that team. They played Nurkic. They paid I mean they traded away CJ, but then they paid Simons. And then you know Dame Miller is on that super max. So you're saying let Dame go, let Simons thrive, rebuild, get yeah. a top five pick. Yeah. And 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 get yeah. what? Picks for Dame? Money? Younger players, like young players, young picks. I mean, picks, picks for sure. But it's just that Damian Lillard can stay in Portland all he wants. Like I, I I'm sure that the money does entice him because no team can pay him more than the Blazers. But if he really wants to win, I think he's he's gonna have to look somewhere else, somewhere that needs a point guard, aka the Clippers. But I don't think he's one of those players that just wants to win. I think he wants to win in Portland. Yeah, but. From an organizational standpoint, if if the Blazers care about Damian Lillard's legacy, they'll do they'll do right by him. Yeah, like Damian Lillard's never gonna outright help. ask the trade. How? Their their most tradable chip is probably Anthony Simons, because I don't think a backcourt Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard is gonna win. It's gonna get too far in the playoffs. I'm sorry. We'll see. I, I I'm a real I really like Anthony Simons, um, but. 
he's not. They play the same way. They do play similar, and it's it's and Simons plays much better when Dame's off the floor, which is not mm-hmm. a good thing if you want them to play together. Um, but when have we seen Dame Lillard play with a good two way wing? Jeremy like, Grant is the best the, he's played with, easily. Yes, and Jeremy Grant, he's he's a tier below an All Star level player. He's just a tier below an all-star level player. He and could be an all-star level player. If if Chauncey Billups gave this guy more touches, he could be an all-star level player. He he had all-star level moments. All-star level stretches. I don't all-star think it's a touches stretches. thing. I, I think, yes, Jeremy Grant has all-star level stretches, but then he'll, he'll, he'll have a game where he goes 25 and 12 rebounds, and then the next game he'll come out, score four points, and then he'll he continue down four points, seven points, and then, oh, he'll bounce back with 15 points. Yeah, but those games, those are the and, games, like I said, those are the games where Dame is has most of the shots. Um, Jeremy Grant doesn't get a lot of shots, especially when they got their full lineup. You know, Anthony Simons, Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, and uh, whoever they're for is. But, well, my bottom line is that that – if you're serious about competing for an NBA championship, the best player on your team cannot be a small six foot two guard. Unless your name is Steph Curry or Isaiah Thomas, if you're a small guard, there's no way that you are the best player on the championship level team. Yeah. He has to be the number two. Dame has to be the number two. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Just because it hasn't, I mean, if if Steph can do it, I don't see why Dame can't. The the biggest thing between Steph and Dame is the fucking team he's on. So I I, I think I really and I've said this before. I really truly believe if you put Dame and you just switch him with Steph, you know, the Warriors win just as many rings, if not more. Okay, Which I know you don't like. I know you don't like those hot. arguments. I know that's you don't. Take. I know you don't like those arguments. But you could argue that. You know, you get you put him next to Clay. You put him next to Draymond. You you use the Warriors mm-hmm. system the same way, but you have Damian Lillard instead of, instead of Curry. You could argue they never lose in the finals with Dame's All right. clutch factor. Here's here's a interesting comparison to like some players in the nineties. In terms of point guards, would you say that Steph Curry is the Michael Jordan of this era for point guards? And then Damian Lillard is ironically Clyde Drexler. Because for, for the majority of the 90s, everyone knew Michael Jordan was the best shooting guard in the league. But then Clyde Drexler was number two. But Jordan won rings and Clyde didn't until he joined the Rockets. Uh, in terms of guards. I, I, Steph last Curry, year. Steph Curry's the best point guard of our era. And Damon Lillard is probably a close second. Or maybe a distant second, depending on who... Who else do you have in the conversation? Like I, I'm one of the biggest Steph fans. You know this. I yeah. don't. I don't like the Warriors, but I love Steph and I love Clay. Mm-hmm. But when I think about Clay's cool at times. When I think about Steph's legacy, I don't think about Steph. I think about the Warriors. I think about Andre Iguodala's uh, Finals MVPs. I think about Kevin Durant's Finals MVPs. I think about Draymond Green's impacts to that team. I think about Clay Thompson's 35 points a game in, in, in huge playoff games. I think about all that. When I think about Damian Lillard, I never fucking think about the Portland Trailblazers. I think about Damian fucking Lillard. And I think that's the biggest difference between Steph's legacy and Damian Lillard's legacy. And I think you have to kind of take a step back and see like, 
what situations were they placed in? Steph was placed in a, a Warriors team that was in the playoffs regularly. David Lee, you know, uh, Monte Ellis. Uh, um, <clears throat> Actually, no. no that, Andrew Bogut. Correct you right there because they were, they were in the playoffs in 2007, but then th- it was a drought until 2013. But what I'm saying is they had established players that were that Steph had to work his way out of that bench role and into mm. a, a role where he played in a system that benefited him the most. And with Dame, you just throw him on that he fucking never, Blazers offense and he just, boom, 18 points a game, rookie of the year. Uh, fucking in the playoffs, thanks to LaMarcus Aldridge. And, and, and I don't know. You can't really make the argument, but you. But in my, it's just I like to put it in perspective a little bit. And nothing against Steph Curry. A- after what he did in the finals last year, he is the greatest shooter of all time. And um, but I don't know. You it just Dame gets a lot of disrespect or lack of respect. So I just think that we're that like it's unfortunate that these players go to different team situations because some teams are dysfunctional. There, there's organiza- organizations that don't know what they're doing. And like Steph Curry is so lucky that he got to go to like the perfect situation for him. And you said yesterday, uh, or you said yesterday, yeah. Billups is a bad coach. Billups is a terrible coach. I think, I think he's way in over his head. He's trying to make the Blazers into a good defensive team without really any defensive pieces you have use of Nurkic defending the rim yeah it's like bad. how good are you going to be on the defensive end and he's an uncreative offensive coach even with terry Stotts, they run a lot of good actions involving cj mccullum and um damon lillard just rubbing off screens against each other but i don't see any of that with chauncey billis there's just a lot of iso i'm not a fan of these player coaches uh steve nash fucking terrible Jason Kidd, I think if, fucking horrendous. I think if you were if you were a good NBA player, you're not going to be a good coach. You have to be like a mid NBA player to be yeah, a good coach. Yeah. That's that's technically how it goes. Because like Doc Kerr. Rivers was an okay point guard. Yeah, Steve Kerr or uh, Ty Lue. Ty Lue's a good coach at times. It makes sense. Um, because those are the players that learn the most during their time in the NBA. Yeah, they didn't have everything handed to them. They didn't have get the keys to the franchise. But They're the ones who like had to grind but th- and learn from the coaches. That's the minority, you know, cause Luke Walton wasn't a great player, but he was a shit ass coach. Um, oh God. Don't, don't remind me. <laughs> don't freaking remind me. And you would think a guy like Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, these, these fucking great Point minds guards. of basketball. You would think that they Four know basketball. You think that they would be a decent coach, but um, especially in Jason Kidd's scenario, Oh my God! What's going on with the Mavericks? Um, they were in jeopardy of losing Luca for a game because he had got his 16th technical. But earlier today, they actually rescinded the call, so he can he's still at 15. So he's going to play the next game, which is huge for them, fucking huge, because they're one yeah. game behind the plan. Um, and they and and every game at this point with like eight or seven games left is a must win for the Mavericks, especially when. The team above you is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, get them, get them the fuck out of there. Oh, you're, I think you're hating too hard on the Thunder. No, I'm not hating. But if you want, they're a good team, and you could even argue they're probably a better team than the Mavericks. 
Um, yeah, at this point, yeah, it's kind of sad. Yeah. They're supposed to be a rebuilding team, but they're better than the team with two all-NBA caliber players. Angus, what's the biggest difference, though, bro? What's the biggest difference? Between difference? the Thunder and the Mavericks? Tell me the biggest difference. What's the answer I'm looking between for, the bro? Coaching. Coaching. That Mark is the Dagnall's a good coach. Biggest difference. Mark Dagnall is a great coach. I think there's a lot of new coaches this year that really deserve. Obviously, there's only one coach of the year, and that goes to the boy Mike Brown. But Mike Brown, Coach Mike, he's so smart, man. But Jeff Hardy, uh, no, Ma- Will Hardy, Will Hardy. Sorry, Jeff sorry. Hardy's <laughs> a WWE superstar. Jeff Hardy, watch <laughs> out, dude. My how often do I do that I shit? Mispronounced. I don't know. I'll try to catch you whenever. Thank you, you do. thank you. What would I do without you? But Will Hardy, um, Oklahoma City's coach, um, Jock Vaughn, um, the Celtics coach. Um, Joe Mazzula. Joe Mazzula. Uh, the even the Magic's coach. I, I really like him. Uh, you got Joe all Mosley. these new coaches. Even shout out to the Timberwolves coach. Even though I think he could do a better job, he's Chris doing Finn. a decent job. You know what I mean? But then you guys, mm-hmm. then you got guys like fucking Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups, and these guys are just ruining their fucking team right in front of our eyes. And I promise you, you pull out a fucking fan out of the stands, they're gonna do a better job than Jason Kidd. Good lord. Yeah, Jason. I mean, I just think the Mavericks have become probably the most dysfunctional organization in the NBA because you have Mark Cuban asking to protest games just because the the Mavericks were caught in a weird scenario in the third quarter, and then you have you have Luca having terrible body language every single game, every game, and then going to press conferences saying that he doesn't have any joy in playing basketball anymore. And then you already know Kyrie. Kyrie, Kyrie, <laughs> Kyrie's pretty outspoken. He's he's a different beast. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Christian Wood. Christian Wood, who who is one of the most selfish players in the league I've ever seen. He comes in and just wants to get his own numbers. And he's on the contract year, so that's what he's going to try to do. And that's why Jason Kidd doesn't want to play him. But they need Christian Wood if they want to play the best version of their offense. Such a difficult situation. It is difficult, but it's it's not as difficult as fucking Jason Kidd makes it seem. Um, I will give him, cut him some slack. You get a brand new team in the middle of the season. It's hard when your playbook is does not work with the team that you now have. Um, but man, I've said I've talked a lot of shit about Jason Kidd on this podcast, and. I it yeah. just doesn't get any better, man. They just they're so their offense is so stagnant. Jason Kidd is not coaching; he's just watching, and it's just like you got to figure something out. There's got to be an assistant on that on that on that bench that that knows a thing or two about basketball, and and yeah, they lack the personnel, they lack depth, they lack defense, but they're not this bad, man. They're not bad enough to lose to the, the Charlotte Hornets back to back with no Lamella Ball. Uh, with no Kelly Oubre, with no, f- it's just ridiculous, man. No Mason Plumley, like bro, <clears throat> no, no Mark Williams. Just like, what is going on? You know what I mean? So <clears throat> it's it's so, it's pretty it's pretty bad. It's rock bottom for the Mavericks for sure. Yeah, I was I was kind of high on them when they got Kyrie, but I I just can't. I just it's just really bad, and I I I still think they'll make the play in. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially with Luca, especially with Luca not 
if he if he gets dude, he better be careful. He cannot get that sixteenth technical before that season ends. I just think he he's a spoiled brat in Dallas. No one's gonna hold him accountable. He's a superstar. They gave him the keys to the franchise since day one. It's rookie season in the NBA. They traded Dennis Smith Jr. for Chris Porzingis so that way they can give Luca the keys to the franchise. I don't think anybody is taking. It, it was a good move, but it, from an organization standpoint, it shows that you are handing the keys to this 19-year-old guy and that you're going to be catering to him for the rest of his career. Yeah. I, um. So Dallas is sitting at 11 right now. They're 36 and 39. Yeah. Uh, at 10, we have the Oklahoma City Thunder tied with the ninth spot with the Lakers, 37-38. Right above them at 8 is the Pelicans at 37-37. and 37. Um, So there's a three-way tie with 37 wins. The only thing is the Pelicans have one less loss than the Lakers and the Thunder. At number 7, you have the Minnesota Timberwolves who just stole a game from the, the Warriors yesterday and put stole some one game? win. Huh? Stole a game? Or did stole the Warriors a game. absolutely freaking choke? <laughs> well, both, but... You can, both can be, both can be true, um, but that puts them one game, one win away from tying with the Warriors at six. Uh, next, you have the Clippers at five, thirty-nine wins, uh, thirty-nine wins for the Phoenix Suns at four as well. Uh, three teams with thirty-nine wins. It's it's how many losses do you have at this point that is making the seedings go, and then you got the three top dogs: Denver, Memphis, and Sac. Let's talk about the Sacramento game today. We're recording Big this game. at 5 p.m. Kings can clinch. Two hours till tip-off. Yep. And the Kings are looking to clinch the playoffs for the first time in 17 years in front of a sellout crowd in Sacramento. <laughs> to this, you cannot write a better story than this. Everything aligned for the Kings to clinch a postseason appearance in their home crowd. I think the NBA scriptwriters... The way that they wrote up the Warriors choke job last night was beautiful. It's like everything. It's a storybook ending. I mean, it's not even the ending. It's the beginning. And it makes me think that the story's not over yet. The story's not over. Bro, remember when fucking DraftKings had us at 32 wins? 32 wins. I should have put my whole fucking life savings on that shit, bro. Also... They had the Kings at plus 3,500. I mean, no, yeah, plus 3,500 to win the Pacific Division. They're looking like if they win today, there's a good chance that they win the Pacific Division title. For sure. I mean, there's six games ahead of... Would have got got you $35,000. Man. Yeah, like you said, there's six games above all three of the Pacific teams. Uh, Phoenix, Clippers, and Golden State, who they all have 39 wins. Um and we're at 45, and after tonight, we're going to be at 46. We'll do the Warriors a favor, beat I'm off confident. the medicine. Between. I'm fucking confident, bro. You should be too. Uh, yeah, no cat, no ant tonight. Oh, no ant? Actually, no. That No ant. Actually, that hurts our chances, now that I think about it. No, no, <laughs> no. Without ant, they, it's just going to be Gobert and Mike Conley and I. Let Jalen McDaniels have 30. We probably will. I don't fucking care. As long as we win the game. I don't think Fox is playing either, but I'm still confident. No, he's playing. He's playing. Oh, he's playing. He's he back. There's no minute restriction. No minutes restriction either. All right, so you're right about the precautions. Um, yeah, yeah. got to be careful. Hamstrings are are tough. 
All right. Ask ask Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I'm excited, man. 46 wins will clinch us into a playoff spot for the first time since 2006. Um, and I am fucking excited, man. As a Kings fan, you've got to be excited, man. Uh, I'm going to be just... watching that game at the airport. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, bro. I hope you get to watch most of the game. I'm going to be tuned in. Um, let's fucking go, man. Let's go. Let's, let's go, man. Go. Let's light the beam. Let's fucking let's light the, the beam, tonight. bro. Let's light the beam, bro. We're seven. We have eight more games less in the season. If we win one more, we clinch the playoffs, bro. You couldn't, like you said, bro. Just what a great ending. Um, we'll see. There's just as much madness going on in the four through eleven seeds as there is in the fucking NCAA right now. But uh, as this final stretch comes along, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Uh, the four through eleven can look completely different next year. I mean, sorry, next not next year, next week when we uh, record our next episode. week. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting. Um, there's no real hot team right now. Uh, Minnesota and, and the Pelicans have won three and four, uh, but that's Brandon Ingram has been doing his th- thing. So don't sleep on the Pelicans. I think they're a lock in the playoffs. They might even be uh, top six when it's all said and done. But um, besides mm. besides them, I really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it, it, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy, especially in the West. Um, I think the East. I'm excited, and we're gonna the East. Yeah, I. Okay, what about the East? You think East is more of a lock? That's all I had to say. East is more of a lock. Okay. And uh, in the future, as the season winds down, we're gonna give you guys our playing predictions as well as our predictions for the awards. Like the first first team All NBA, second team, third team, and then the defensive teams as well. Yes, sir. Y'all, y'all, y'all wait and uh, tune in for that. Probably next week or next week after that. But um, we're gonna end it there because Angus has to get going. Uh, we went longer than we were. <laughs> yeah, we went longer than we were supposed to. But we have to bring the good quality to y'all. You feel me? So um, appreciate y'all. Uh, we'll see y'all next week. Um, tune into the Kings tonight in a couple hours. Uh, we might have the episode out before then. Uh, we appreciate y'all every single week. We really do. And I think that's going to do it for us. Peace. Peace. Angus, have a great time in Cancun, bro. Thank you. Yes, sir.